Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This service is the church anniversary celebrating 85 years of Bethel Free Baptist Church and 26 years of Pastor Larry T. Curtis and family. This is the morning service of Sunday the 6th of November 2016, entitled Bethel. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Here's Brother Chris Bluto. But it's a blessing to be back in Bethel. It's a, I appreciate the privilege of being able to, to come and preach the Word of God. I like to kind of have fun when I'm preaching. I told somebody today I'll try to enjoy it. Whether everybody else does or not, I'll have fun. Amen? I appreciate the kids being in the service. I had somebody who was, who was a little boy that was behind me. He was serenading through the, the hymns, singing his heart out. And I love that. Our grandchildren do the same thing. They're very familiar now with the songs, and they'll try to belt them out and sing along. That's, and that's how they learn. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Um, here, I want to talk about Bethel and why, why you're here, why you've come here. We have the example from the Old Testament. In uh, Genesis chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1, Genesis chapter number 12, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that had been gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. And when Abram passed through the land into the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Moriah, and the, Can- and the Canaanite was there in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram. We don't hear that very much anymore, do we? Um, people want to have proof that God exists and we have to go by faith. But he appeared to Abram. And he said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And what we see in Abraham's life is he had a habit. He worshipped his God, and when he went there and came, he built an altar. And he worshipped God. Look in the next verse, verse number 8. And it said, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon him the name of the Lord. And here's where we see we get the, the habit that he had as he you follow through his life. He built altars. He worshiped God. He gave sacrifice. He taught his family how to do the same thing. And when, when God told Abram, I will bless thee, and I will make thee of thee a great nation, and will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. The The word here, blessing, in the Old Testament has the connotation happy, to make happy, to make Abram happy. And this is what what God has told him. 
um, that he's going to make him happy if he commits to him and follows him. Abram travels to the land where God has promised to make him a blessing, to make him happy. And Abram does two things when he gets there. First of all, he pitches a tent. He has a house. He makes a residence. He, he sets up when he goes there. When Brother Larry came here, that's what they did. One of the first things they had to do is, with his family, they had to find a big house. Amen? You have to find some place to establish yourself. And this is what Abram does. And he, then he built an altar. And this was his testimony to God that everywhere Abram went, he left his testimony, there was an altar. And those that came behind him saw the altar. They knew who he was and what he had done. And they, he told them who he was worshiping and how he was worshiping. He told his, all those that were with him would have worshiped with him as well. He builds an altar after one altar. Then he builds another altar here at Bethel. And this is where we come to today. We come to Bethel. We come to Bethel to worship. And this is what I want to talk with you about today. He comes to the house of God. Bethel means the house of God. Now, most of you probably already knew that, right? No? No? Some of you. Brother Larry did. But it means house of God. What a good name for a church. I don't care if it's a tent. And they call it Bethel. Wherever Abram went, he set up an altar. And he called upon his God. And he called this particular one Bethel. God calls it Bethel. Look over in uh, chapter 35. I'm sure Brother Larry's already talked with you about this. I think he preached it a couple weeks ago. But uh, verse, verse 1, it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, and that appeared unto thee when thou findest, when thou fleddest, from the face of Esau, thy brother. So the habit continued on. And Jacob goes to Bethel, and he built an altar there, and he worshiped God, and he dwelt there. We find out that in uh, James chapter number 2, verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. What a... That's tremendous to be called the friend of God. But Jesus tells us that we're friends, his friends, if we obey his commandments. Amen? But this friend of God made a habit of coming to God. And coming to God at the house of God at Bethel and worshiping and praising him. And giving him the glory for those things in his life. This friend of God knew the importance of coming to the house of God. Coming to God as a believer. And it was his habit and it was his practice to come and to worship his God. They came to God at Bethel, the house of God. Started 85 years ago, this place of worship. It's influenced hundreds, possibly thousands of people throughout the air, this area in Ward End and other parts of the, of the surrounding area. Cecil Green, the, the, the brother that... Larry pointed out to you, is one of the first people that we met when we came here. There weren't many. Um, we came right after Brother Larry started. I think we met him in, at a missions conference in March, probably March. I don't remember when the missions conference was, but in 1990. And he invited us to come visit him. So my family and I, we went to the, the Lakes Dist Lake District, and we came down, and we, we stopped in 
and visited with Larry and Janie. We came to their first service. And I believe it was uh, David Castle from Scotland that you had. And I remember, I remember that name. I don't know why, but I, I just remember that name. And he preached up on that high pulpit. It was, it was different. I'll talk about that a little later this afternoon, about some of the changes and the differences. But 85 years, evangelistic crusades started from a tent. A tent meeting, they called them in the States. Brother Dave Kistler still does that as he goes around, from what I understand. And he has big tent ministries. Now, those tents are the Cadillacs of tents. They have air conditioning. And they have comfy chairs in them, a lot of them. And they have electric in them. Now, the, I'm sure the, the tent they put up here probably wasn't this big, but it was a tent, and they did the best to fill it, and people got saved, and so many got saved that they had to build this church, the house of God. We celebrate here the, the many years of this ministry, not because of one person, but because of God's faithfulness. Amen? The countless numbers of people who've sacrificed their times, their talents, and their treasures to make this church what it is today because they've come to Bethel. Larry Curtis celebrating 26 years of service here at Bethel. We're celebrating 20 years of service in, in Wales, and the time has just flown by. Our boys have grown up there, and they've, got, they've left home, and they've got their own families now. But man, 20, 25 years, 20 years, just pew. I spent the first 20 years of my military career, and it was pew. But when Brother Larry came here, there was only a handful of people in the church. When he came here, he, it needed some attention. He's already shared some of that with you. It needs some attention again. But that, that comes to you, those who are members here. It'll fall upon you and to, to help lend a hand. When he came here, he had some ambitious ideas. And you can, you can see the fruit of those ambitious ideas now. The fellowship hall in the back. The bleachers are gone. Amen? They're gone. When we, uh, when we, were, we took, the bleachers, <laughs> took the bleachers out, Brother Larry already had them out, but it left a big hole on either side. I mean, we're talking a hole. And we, we filled that. We had a bunch of guys from the base come up, and we filled that with hardcore, and we packed it down best we can. I don't know if we may have one of those machines or not. And then we had two cement drums. And we made cement, and we hauled the cement in, and we dumped it in. I don't Did you ever count how many, I don't know how many wheelbarrows of cement? But we, we took a part in it. And it comes to you now to carry on that work, to continue to, to see that Bethel stays here in this community, that it's used in this community to, be, to see people saved. When he came here, he had a young family. Now he's not got young grandchildren. Amen? When he came here, he had a dream. God has called him here. He had a dream for this place. He, he had a vision for this place. And it was part of his mission to see that accomplished. And that's what he's done through the last 25 years. People came to Bethel. People came to the house of God to find God. A place where the gospel was preached. Apparently the gospel was preached in the tent. And it went from the tent to the building. And it continued to be preached. And they would have crusades here. And it continued to be preached. And continued to see people saved and come to, to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
1 Corinthians 15.1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. The gospel needs to be proclaimed. Amen? It needs to be proclaimed here at Bethel, the house of God. But it needs to be proclaimed in the city center when you go out there. And that's what you'll be doing next week or on Saturday. But they came to they came to Bethel to find God, a place where God is praised. You continue to come to Bethel to praise God, to sing His praises. I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High. The young man behind me today, he was singing his praises. Amen. The Lord doesn't ask us to have a sweet voice. Brother Larry will tell you I can't sing very well. He sings better than most. But the Lord just wants us to make a joyful noise. He just wants us to praise Him. Every day before we start our services in, in Horeb Chapel, where we're ministering now, I always ask, does anybody have a praise for the Lord? Because I think it's important for people to praise God, to share what has happened. We had a one, one lady... Um, she never says a word in church unless you're talking right to her, unless, unless she's sharing something with you. But uh, a few years ago, we were, we were there, and I said, does anybody have a praise? And this little lady's hand said, bing! Man, it just shot up like a rock. And I try to teach them to, to share things that are going on so that you can bless others. And she told me, Cliff and I were walking on the plankard, that's what they call the little path around the, the sports field in our little village where we're at. We were walking around the plankard. And she said, we sat down for a little bit, and there were some rough-looking boys playing rugby. And she made a, a big to-do about how rough they looked. They, were, they really looked rough. And they said, we sat there for a while, then we got up and we went home. And they would, they would drive down there, and then they would walk around the sports field, and then they would drive home. And she said, we got home, and we weren't there maybe 15 minutes. And she said, I, we got a phone call. And it was one of these rough boys calling her. And he said, is, is this Eileen? And she said, yes. He said, we were, we were down playing rugby, and you and your husband were sitting and you got up and left, and when we went over to the, the bench after our game, we found a wallet. And it was her wallet, and it had everything in it. It had her cards in it, it had her money in it, it had her ID in it, it had her phone number in it, amen. But they brought it to her, and she was so tickled and so ready to give a praise, she's not said anything else in chapel since then. But I'll tell you what, when she had something that she needed to praise, she wasn't afraid to do it. And I still use that, that, that example of her doing that testimony of praise because that's what it's all about. Praising God for what he has done for us. We have a lot to praise God for here at Bethel. And we need to praise him. So people came to to Bethel to find God. They came to Bethel to praise God. They, I will praise thee, O Lord, with all my heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. We've got something to praise God about. We should be praising Him. Not only in song, but when something His marvelous works minister in our lives some way, we need to share that and tell people about it. 
They came to, to Bethel, a place where they found the Lord. Amen? They found, it says in the Bible, where two or three are gathered in, in His name, that there I am in the midst of thee. When you're gathered together, guess what? He's here with us. And He has promised to be here with us. But where there's two or three, I figure me, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, man, that's, that's two or three. God is with us. Amen? Wherever we are, the Lord is with us. They came here and they found the Lord here at Bethel. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when, when we're gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, He is here with us, ministering to our hearts even as I speak. The people came to Bethel. They came to Bethel to prepare God's people. They prepared God's people for service. Why are you here today? Because you want to worship, but you're also here to be prepared to worship and to be prepared to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever capacity you can. Maybe it'll be to, to stand at the table on Saturday and hand out tracts. I don't know. Maybe in my church we have to put our hymnals away. And I've got two grandchildren that come together, come, come with us, and they've been coming since they, they were born. One of our grandchildren was there in chapel eight hours after he was born. We had a film night that night, and she couldn't, mom couldn't wait to go and show off the baby. But he was there in service. But when, they, when I ask for praise, guess whose hands go up first? And it may be only, I praise the Lord for my salvation. You know, that may be all they have to say, but they're learning at a young age to praise God for, for what He does for them. And at the end of the service, they, they take the, the hymnals and they put them away. That's not a big deal, is it? But it's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I let them know I appreciate their service for Him. Amen? People came to, to be prepared to, to serve God, to, to serve Him with all their heart. And it says in... Ephesians 4 and 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. But all these, the, the evangelists and the, and the pastors and the teachers, they all have to be prepared. They all have to learn how to do those things. A place to prepare teachers. Paul told Timothy, And from a, and from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which was able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It's good to have the children here. Timothy learned on his mother's and his grandmother's knees. He learned the, the Psalms. He learned about salvation, and he, he was saved because he learned from a young age. And we need to continue to do that. We need to teach our children. And then we teach them from a young age, and we teach them to serve by putting up hymnals or whatever it might be. We teach him in that way. From a child, Timothy had known the Lord. From a child, he had known the Scriptures. From a child, he grew up and he was saved. A place where teachers are prepared. You know, you, you see all the time people grow older and they, they're not able to serve. Brother Cecil, in his 90s now, he can't, he can't come to chapel like he would, he would like to. But when he was here, he did what he could. But as others leave for one reason or another, like Brother Steve, they just moved up to Liverpool. When they leave for whatever reason, somebody has to step into that gap. Somebody has to be ready to teach Sunday school. Somebody has to be ready to, to be the treasurer or the secretary or whatever it is. 
So people come to Bethel to, to prepare for these things, to, to pray, prayer to be a teacher. We're told that in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and Samuel grew on and was favored both with the Lord and also with men. And he became a great teacher, he became a great prophet, and he served the Lord in those capacities. A place where to prepare evangelists. Again, the young people, the young Christians that come into this church and, and learn and feel the moving of God on their heart that they need to do more. I wasn't always a preacher. I was in the Air Force for 20 years. But towards the end of my, my service, they always said, what are you going to do, Brother Chris, when you get out? Well, I got five years left. I figured I'd, I'll go back to the States and become a youth pastor somewhere, or you know, a youth minister and do that type of thing. I didn't have God's calling. And it wasn't a year later that God impressed upon my heart to go to Wales and to minister there. But it wasn't until then that I had the, the desire to preach God's Word. But once He moved that desire on my heart, that's what I knew I needed to do. And that's what we've been doing now in Wales for, for over 20 years. Maybe you're a new Christian here. Maybe you've just started here. Maybe God's going to impress upon somebody here to step up and be the pastor at Bethel. I don't know. But you have to be ready, you have to be willing to serve Him in whatever capacity God calls you to serve Him. But people came here to Bethel to prepare, to prepare the evangelist. It says in 2 Timothy 4 and 5, But thou, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make proof of thy ministry. Paul said, if, if you've got to do, be an evangelist, be an evangelist. He said, People come here to prepare for that. People come here to, to prepare to be soul winners. I've already heard this morning Brother Larry talking about being a soul winner, talking about telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, talking about going into the city center to, to hand out leaflets and tell people about the Lord there. And what I liked about what he said is to make friends, to build relationships. That's how you win people to Christ. And with others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. People say that salvation is not an escape ladder from hell. But that verse in Jude certainly tells us that when we save somebody, we're saving them from everlasting fire. People who came to Bethel come for godly training. There is training here at Bethel for the saints of God. You need to be ministered to. You need to be trained. You need to be taught. We're told in uh, Acts chapter number 11, verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is Barnabas. He went and got Saul because he needed help. There was so much happening at Antioch, he couldn't deal with it all by himself. So he found Saul, and he went and got Saul, and he brought Saul. And they ministered here, it says, and they taught for a whole year about the things of God. They taught and trained the people. And then at the end of that time, they went on their own missionary journey. And we, we know the rest of the story there. But people come for godly training of the saints of God. A place to assemble. Bethel's a place to assemble, to gather for fellowship, a place to learn and be trained. 
Praise ye, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. But you come here not for, it's not a social club. It's not a social meeting. You come here to learn. You come here to hear about the things of God and to learn about the things of God. It's a place to grow. Bethel's a place that you grow. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory now and forever. It's a place to learn, to gather, to learn as a disciple of God. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Paul says those things that you've learned, those things that you have received, those things that you have heard and seen, he said you need to do them. Don't let us waste our time. Do them. This is what he told them. It's a place where teaching they teach that now is the time. Jesus in John chapter number 4 said, Say not yet, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus said, don't wait for a certain time. He said, just look up. There's always people that need to be saved. There's always people wherever you work, wherever you go to school, wherever you live, there are people there that need to be saved. And we need to let them know about it. Jesus said, I love the, the, the first part of that. He says, say, ye, say not ye. He says, don't tell me that there's four months before I can do the work. He said, don't tell me it's not time. He said, look up for the field is already white unto harvest. Teaching that it's now time. Teaching we are commanded to go. We need to hear. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why am I a missionary? Because I was in a church where they taught, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I was in a church where they had missionaries like Brother Larry and Sister Jane come. We had missions conferences. We learned the importance of missions. We learned the necessity of people going. And then I learned that it wasn't just them that went. It was us that went. That we could come from, from Chicksands and come up here and have a hand in the ministry, a hand in the mission field to help build this place and make it a better place for you to come and find God. Teaching that we are to pray for an evangelistic burden to reach others. Do you pray, Lord, let me be a tool? Let me be... A, <laughs> have an evangelistic heart to share the gospel with others so that they might hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told in Romans chapter number 9, verse 1 through 3, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren my kinsman according to the flesh. Paul is saying there, I would give myself if they could be saved. He said, I would sacrifice myself if they could just be saved. But that's not how it works. They have to be saved for themselves. They have to make a personal commitment to Christ. They need to personally trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. He says... We need to pray. And we need to see the lost world as God sees the lost world, as Christ sees the lost world. 
and to lay upon our heart maybe a, a handful of people that we, we come in contact with that Brother Larry will never meet. That you can write a list and begin praying for those people and praying for opportunities to minister to those people and tell them about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation that they can have if they will turn their heart and their lives to Jesus. Their old song says, Lord, laid some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me, and I may always do my part to win that soul for thee. It becomes all of our responsibility to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Praying for an evangelistic heart. Teaching to, to prepare by living a conscious, consistent Christian life. I love Matthew chapter number 5. It says there, Ye are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are a light. You are a Christian. You say you're a Christian and you go out into the community. How do people see that Christian? You are a bright and shining light. And that's what we should show to those who live around us, those who work with us, those who go to the same school I go to. Be that light for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must live obedient lives with integrity and authentic faith. We must love when others do not. We must forgive when others harbor grudges. We must remain trusting when others panic. Be honest when those around us are cooking their books. Amen? Being deceitful. Maybe they're lying on their taxes. I don't know. Not that we're going to be perfect, because there are no perfect Christians. But we should live our life the best we can for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must have a growing, maturing Christian life and faith that others will recognize and see that there's a difference in us because we know the Lord Jesus Christ. We must encourage others to be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you encourage others to be saved? I always tell my people, when you witness, don't leave off inviting them to Christ. How many people witness and tell them about Jesus and tell them about the good things happening at Bethel or at Horeb where I'm at? And then you leave. And you don't tell them, would you like to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? My wife tells a story when we were at our home church for a while. She said, Miss Karen Blankenship, she was a soul winner. I mean, she'd be pumping gas and winning souls. She'd go in to pay her bill and win a soul. And she was sharing some stuff, and my wife said, you know what, I've never had anybody just ask me if, if I can lead them to Christ or ask me how can I be saved. You know, like the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? She said, I've never had that happen. And it wasn't two days later, they went soul winning. They were visiting some people that had come to the chapel, and they sat down in this lady's house, and this lady asked my wife, how can I be saved? And she was able to lead that lady to the Lord. But please, 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 when you tell somebody about Jesus, when you hand them a track and maybe you explain through the track, don't forget the last part. Brother Larry would tell you it's closing the sale. Amen? But you have to ask somebody, would you like to trust Jesus as your Savior? Would you like to know him in a personal way? And then 
help them to know Christ as Savior. We should desire others to be saved. That, that should be one of our burning desires. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul, all he wanted to do was see his, his, his countrymen, his nation, saved. Also, we see teaching to, to watch op for openings to share in, a, in 1 Peter chapter number 10, verse 13. I'm sorry, 3.15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh of you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready to give an answer. When somebody does say, what must I do to be saved? Be ready. Have some tracks with you. Be ready. Be instant, in season and out of season, ready to give an answer. Teaching. If the right opportunity doesn't come naturally, create one. You're not always going to have the perfect opportunity to witness. But pray and seek the Lord's will and ask Him to allow you to be ready to seize that opportunity, even if it doesn't exist, to make an opportunity to tell people about Bethel, to tell people about Jesus. If you enjoy being here at Bethel, and you come and you have a, a good service and a good meal, and you, you had a great day, tell somebody about it. Let them know. Sometimes we wait too long looking for the right opportunity to, to invite somebody to Christ to church, to share a message of the gospel. There's not always going to be the right opportunity. So make the best of whatever situation you're in and share with them. Teaching also the, the importance of leaving the results with God. And I had a good example of this. Um, we're responsible for sharing the gospel, but only God can convert the soul. Having done your best asking them if they want to be saved, leave it with them. Here's the example I found. It says, if you ever feel you're, you've botched the job, and I'm kind of reading through this extemporaneously, if you will, think of Edward Kimball. He was determined to win his Sunday school class to Christ, including a teenager named Dwight, who tended to fall asleep on Sundays. His heart was pounding. Kimball entered into the shoe store where the young lad was working. He put his hand on his shoulder. He said, he said, I put my hand on his shoulder. I leaned over. I placed my foot on a shoe box that was there, and I asked him to come to Christ. It didn't seem to go well, and Kimball left thinking he'd botched the job. But Dwight L. Moody, however, left the store that day a new person, a new creature in Christ. Evidently, he had done his job. He had done his best. And Edward Kimball had won Dwight L. Moody to Christ, became one of the prominent evangelists in America during his generation. You don't know who you're witnessing to. You don't know how God will use that person. But we need to be ready willing and able to do it, to share with them. Because it may be the night, the next Dwight, Dwight 
D.L. Moody. I can't want to say Dwight L., but it doesn't work that way. It's D.L. Moody is his name, but it was Dwight L. Moody. Be ready to witness, to share. They came to the rock at Bethel. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Here at Bethel they come. This has been the foundation of many a people's salvation. Here at this church, people have come and they have learned to trust Christ as their Savior and they have trusted Him and several have gone on to minister. It's a place where, it's a place of refreshing. A physical place of of refreshing to come and to find peace and to find comfort. For He is the God of all peace and the God of all comfort. It is a place to take a drink of the Spirit of God. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. A place to find the Spirit of God. A place to find quickening of that Spirit. We're told in Psalms, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Every time I hear God's Word, every time I read God's Word, I am revived, I am renewed, I am refreshed in it. A place of quickening, a place of revival. That's what Bethel has been. We're told in Psalms 51.10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. How many times do we have to go to the Lord and ask for a new spirit, a revival, a refreshing, a recharging, if you will, to, to go on and do His work? A renewal, a daily renewal as we turn to Him. We're told in uh, Isaiah 40 and 31, one of my favorite passages, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run They shall not and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We can find refreshing and reviving in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can find rejoicing in Him. I will be glad and rejoice in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thou Most High. Do we raise our voices and praise Him? Quickening of revival, renewal, and rejoicing. They also came to Bethel for special days, just like you've come today. It's good to have special days. It gives people excuses. Excuses to invite those people that take the mick out on you. They call it mick here. Take the, they call it mick in, in Wales. But uh, they make fun of you because you go to chapel. They make fun of you because you're a Christian. Good opportunity to invite them to be here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good time to invite them to come and have a special meal. It's a special day. It's a good day. It's an excuse to invite people in. We had a Sankey night last Thursday. And all Sankey night is, we sing the songs of Ira D. Sankey. You got the, the book that he produced here in, in Britain. It's Sacred Songs and Solos. And I sort of run the show. I, last week, I talked about Fanny Crosby and all, a lot of her songs. And that's all we sang was... Fanny Crosby songs out of the Ira Sankey book. And I would introduce each song. I'd introduce 
say something about her and something about the person who wrote the music, and then we sing the song, and then I get to preach at the end. But that's all it is. But we've had people saved at our Sankey nights. It's an opportunity. It's an excuse to get people in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make sure you take every opportunity to bring someone in. We used to we sing the song, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Here at Bethel, the house of God, they can come in and hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Special days, says in Deuteronomy 4 and 10, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, and they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth and that they may teach their children. A special day to come together, a special day to gather together to hear the Word of God, to, to sing the praises of God, to learn of God. Bethel is a place to be reminded of. We're reminded when we come in here that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He will always be the same. We think of the past we remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. Remember where Bethel has come from. Remember how it started in a tent. I didn't know that till today. Remember the crusades that they used to have. They used to, you saw some of those pictures, they used to fill this place up when it was its old way. They had people in the back, they'd have the choir loft filled, they'd have the bleachers filled. People came to hear about the Lord. In the past, in the present, they come still to hear about the Lord. You're here today, and you're here for this special day. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. We come to, to celebrate the anniversary of Bethel, but we come to be reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. We come to remember the things to come. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Always remember the name of the Lord. Always remember to give him praise and glory and honor for the food we're about to eat. Amen? That means I'm almost done, maybe. For the fellowship that you're able to have. Remember, it's the Lord that's placed you here. It's the Lord that's put this church here. And we need to remember those things. But it's also a place to remember God's word. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. We have God's word. And we should know God's word. We should remember God's word. We should use God's word to help others come to know God and the Lord Jesus Christ. They also sought out a place to find God when they came to Bethel. They come to Bethel. Brother Larry said others wanted to buy this place for their religion. But this place has gone on. It's seen hard days. It's seen better days. It's seen great days now as we come together to praise the Lord. We started out in Genesis 12, and he removed from thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord at that altar. And wherever Abram went, 
Later, Abraham went. He built an altar to worship and to praise God. Bethel is a place worth seeking out. It's a place still. Why do you hand out tracts in, in city center? This seems so far away. But there are people that come to this church from all over the place. Amen? All, all many different countries, too. Amen? I apologize I don't speak Romanian because I could have... I could have translated for you as I went along. But it's a place worth seeking out, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. It would have been so much, it would have been so easy for Brother Daniel when he came to England to say, well, they don't speak my language here. I'm not going to church. I know a lot of people that were in the military when they came from America, they say, well, I think I'm going to take me a four-year vacation from church. That's not, for, not forsaking. Amen? Don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves with others. It's also a, a person that we seek. We come here to seek out a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God. Thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. If you're seeking some place to, to worship, you'll find that place. But you can't find a better place here in this area than right here at Bethel. A place also to seek peace here at Bethel. Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give I unto you. Giveth I, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He offers you peace. He offers you rest. Maybe you're here today and you haven't received the precious gift of salvation. Maybe you're here today and somebody's invited you along to hear the visiting pastor. Maybe you've invited him along to, to have a meal. But can I tell you, there's a precious gift that the Lord Jesus Christ has to offer to each and every person who has never trusted him as Lord and Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Forty years ago, I married my wife, Meg. The day before we were to be married, I went to the last wedding counseling. She'd been going to some. I was 1,500 miles away at Travis Air Force Base. Didn't give it a thought. Came in and she said, we have a wedding counseling tomorrow at such and such a time. Okay. I never gave it a thought. But I walked into that office with Doc Wilson. Doc Wilson was a missionary. He was a conductor on the railroad, but he was a, a missionary, and, and um, he ministered, and he proclaimed God's word wherever he went. He said, Chris, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you'd spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ? I was a good Catholic. I went to church on Saturday evening, so I didn't have to go on Sunday. And then you know what went on Saturday night, right? I was a good Catholic. I went to church. I even taught Sunday school when I was in, in Turkey. I was a good Catholic, man. But I could not tell him that I knew Jesus Christ as my Savior. I could not tell him that I would spend eternity in heaven if I were to pass. He said, would you like to? And I said, yes, I would. And he showed me through God's word how I could trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, how I could ask for forgiveness of sins. I didn't have to ask a priest. I could ask the Lord, and he would forgive me of my sins. And I could call upon him, and he would give me rest. 
and he would give me peace, and he would give me eternal life if I asked him. And I bowed my head that day, and I asked him to come into my heart and into my life and to save me. And 40 years ago, last, well, it was the 28th of October, 40 years ago, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he became a part of my life. I'm not saying that I've been a perfect Christian. I'm not even saying I went out that the next day and started serving him 100% because I didn't. It took us a while to get into church. It took us a while to, to give our heart over to the Lord. But when we did, he allowed us to begin serving him. When we did, he, he called us into the ministry, which I never dreamed of. I was happy being a master sergeant in the Air Force. But he did call me. And by faith, we got out of the Air Force. We went on deputation. Two years later, we were back here in, in Wales. And we've been there 20 years now. This no, well, would you believe 20 years, is this the fifth or the sixth? It is the sixth. 20 years to the day we came into this country. We flew into to Cardiff Airport. Not Cardiff. Must have been Heathrow. 20 years to the day that we have been serving God on the mission field. But read the sign as you go out the door. Everywhere you live is a mission field if you're ready to serve him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, Lord Jesus, just for this opportunity to, to have some time, Lord, in your word. I thank you, Father, for Bethel. I thank you, Father, that it is a house of God. And, Lord, the people can come to this house of God and find you. And, Lord, there's so much here that they can find if they're only willing, Lord, to give their hearts to you. I do pray, Father, if there's one here, Lord, who's never trusted you as Savior. Lord, that today might be the day that they would ask for forgiveness of sins and claim the gift of eternal life that only you can give them. I pray that you'll continue to bless our service and our day. In Jesus' name.